Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to Awkward Sex in the City. This is your lovely hostess with the mostest, Natalie Wall. Guess what? I've heard your request. And this episode will be the first weekly episode. We are going weekly, guys, from here on out. You want more sex? I'll give you more sex. I will give you 52 episodes a year because I ain't doing a season. This is all year, baby, because sex is all year. Um... That being said, I sound like not excited. I'm actually like very excited and I've been like working my ass off to get like people that I really like in the studio and like just respect and love and can't wait to hear all their stories. That being said, my good friend Rebecca Fishbein wrote a fucking book called Good Things Happen to People You Hate. And it's a book of essays. Like if you like a David Sedaris, if you like a Roxanne Gay, it's like that type of vibe. It's really cool. It's also really fun to like know who she's talking about like in the book. So she comes on, we talk all about the book. We talk about sex, duh. And you're going to have fun. And then you're going to go buy the book, Good Things Happen to People You Hate by Rebecca Fishbein. Yeah, actually, these will they, won't they books really screw you up because, like, yeah. you know, you know really quickly if somebody likes you. And that's and, it. And then the rest of the time you're like, does he like me? And your friends are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to cramp. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, cool. Haven't had this in a year. Yeah, they're like, I, we're just going to do it. It's for fun, <laughs> you know. So I don't look good in any of those photos. It doesn't matter because they're all gone and nothing matters. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm, there's a question I want to ask you because I'm halfway through the book and I was talking to Aaron because we have two copies because I was in Connecticut. So I bought it in Connecticut and he bought it so in New exciting. York. And I was texting him and I was just like so enthralled and impressed by your brutal honesty. And as someone like that does a show like this, like where I'm very brutally honest about sex, I am constantly worried about my family hearing things like I have done stories in front of my parents but I have very southern baptist family that like aren't cool with it and I'm like well now it's out there and like how did that make you feel like writing it and knowing that at the book like your book event like your synagogue is going to come and your 93 year old grandfather is going to make it there like I will say that it is a lot easier to write something and just like put it out into the world and not talk about it as much. You know, that's why I didn't want to talk about it at uh, the event like with my family because it's weirder when someone's asking you a question. Mm -hmm. Like it's fine, obviously. This is great. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's weird if somebody if my mother were to ask me about my sex life, I would probably be like, what's sex? And then run away and hide (laughs) in my room. But, you know, for... I kind of treated writing this book as if I were writing in my own journal. Uh, I don't know if that was for my the benefit of the book or for the benefit of me, but um, I did give it to my parents to read in advance. I was like, I gave it to them. I think I gave okay. it to them over the summer. And, you know, they were fine with it. They read it in front of me. They're pretty chill. Um, oh, interesting. I think my mom is probably happy that I have like 
spoken to men because like she doesn't you know I never bring anybody <laughs> home she doesn't know anybody uh I never tell her anything so in this book she was like oh okay well at least you have like a sex life that's good <laughs> I was worried and you know she should be but I um I don't know maybe I just don't care anymore I'm like well this is me as a person I think some of just doing you know what we do like being mm-hmm. pretty open and like putting stuff out there about our lives you kind of have to be like all right well someone's gonna see it and instead of living in fear of people seeing it I'm just gonna be like here it is read it because in I, front of me that's what was also really cool was this is well not to make it about me but this is the first book where I knew people like in the stories and I was like oh I know who's about I know they are definitely reading this and then it was just like that to me was the most badass thing I've ever seen ever to know that like your good friends, you're writing about your good friends and they know about it. And it's very like intimate and intense, like emotional stuff because you writing as a journal actually makes a lot of sense. Like it does kind of have that vibe to it. And I think that was for the benefit of the book because there is so much just like going through your own feelings within like, you know, this relationship, this fuck date, this person you were hooking up with, but then they end up like, you know, as you say, like marrying up, like not marrying up, like coupling up or something. I can't remember the exact phrase you used, but I thought it was funny. Yeah, um, like that's a lot wifed to have. Up. What's that? It was wifed up. That's wifed like, up. Yeah. There it is. That's a lot. Like, and that's like so cool. That's all I have. Like, that's so fucking cool. I try not to say anything bad about anybody. You know, like there's I'm not trying to like this is like for a book called Good Things Happen to People You Hate. It's not trying to trash anyone. Yeah. Um, No, not in any way. It's more you dealing with shit that's happened to you. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm not very good at communicating in words with anyone, um, (laughs) especially about how I feel about them. So I'm like, oh, look, it's in a book. You can read it now. And, you know, congratulations. (laughs) And they're like, oh, wow, you have thoughts like you really never expressed them to me at any point uh, in whatever was happening between us. Um, So, yeah, I should do like a poll and find out. Oh, yes. Now, you know what they think. yeah, they're all perfectly fine guys. Like there's nothing, you know, <laughs> nothing wrong with any of them. It's just uh, I, I it's how it's our, we, you know, we have a different story. Like yeah. each person has their own story about what happened. Absolutely. One of the stories that really resonated with me was you becoming very horny at a very young age and not knowing how to deal with it. And it's actually a theme that I feel like happens a lot on this podcast is uh, you aren't told that you get really horny as a kid. Um, and so my first question is, did you hump any of your stuffed animals? Because I did. I didn't, but definitely my bed, like okay, the side I'm, of my bed. That yeah, was a thing. That's yeah. a good, that's a good corner. But I just didn't like, I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I was watching Big Mouth and there's like that, the, uh, the hormone monstrous. And I'm yes. so mad that I didn't get one. Like I just like, n- like I was very young and like suddenly all this stuff was happening. And I was mm-hmm. like, why am I weirdly obsessed with Michael J. Fox? Like it just, it did nothing made sense. Yeah. And then, and nobody was like, this is normal. This is just what happens when you get older. And I was like, what do I do? <laughs> we, um... The 12 year old I nanny just discovered Big Mouth and he was like, please watch this with me. And I was like, I don't know if I should. I was like, I think it's a great show. I can't wait to wa- for you to watch it. Like, I will if you really want me to. And he was just like, yeah, like, I'm so glad I have like the hormone monsters, but they're wrong about the porn. And I was like, mm, just you wait. And I like said that, like it came out and I was like, oh, I want to take it back. And he was just like, oh, 
am I going to really like porn soon? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you are. Like you are. There's yeah, no way true. around that. You're going to love it. Porn's great. It's entertainment. Yeah. I mean, my porn was reading, you know, very <laughs> sexless 19th century British literature so <laughs> no, it was so you know. specific too and i would like to point out jamaica inn was not written in the 19th century it was written in 1930 or something like uh-huh. that but you know it it nothing happens i think they kiss once and i like read that scene 4000 times did you ever read the dear america series yes i did oh my god those are the things that would like turn me the f on there was like a love story from World War II and if you read like the epilogue like they end up together and you're like yes true love um and then there was like Titanic one that one I was about to say the Titanic one was so good the, it was the, better than the Titanic the prairie one what's the it was like the prairie road one was amazing she like gets married in it and she's like 16 I, I was that the one where everyone died I mean they all died in all of the they, I they think had there's cholera. no that cholera was the uh the American girl doll but yeah but they all died. There were two where they all died. I think one is that one. And then one was like the, what is it? The Mexican-American War. Yes, that like one. Literally just like Everybody every died. person died. And it was like, yeah, because it's a fucking war. Like, yeah. I, that, oh my God. I was just like, the tingling sensation in my vagina was just like, I was like, what is happening to me? Why is this amazing? The Titanic one, they were both they were both in steerage, right? Like she, like, I think so. oh, it was so good. I'm going to reread it. It is definitely sitting in my parents' house somewhere. Mine um, too. Mine are definitely like at my parents' house. It I was love them. so good. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, you don't know. I just, I, I loved these like heated love stories and not, not romance novels. Like mm-hmm. I can't, if I read it, I can't, maybe it's the like writer snob in me, but like, <laughs> if I read a romance novel, I'm like, eh, whatever. The plot's like convoluted, but, um, yeah. Yeah, this book Jamaica in I it's so hot. It's still hot. <laughs> it's I I reread it when I wrote this essay and I was like, still got it. Still good. I also really like Outlander. Like all of this stuff is like this very like sexy, like will they, won't they? But they mm. will, but then they won't, and then they will, you know. There is they look at each other a lot. I don't know if you feel the same way, but the will they, won't they thing is what really got me because as someone in high school that was weird. That was just like my whole thing was like, will they finally see me? They won't. But like I got to like hold on to that idea because of all these books that I read. And it definitely got me through my high school weird years. Did you read the like uh, the series? It was like sloppy firsts and second helping. I was thinking a lot about YA. I've been thinking a lot about YA recently. And like first I have definitely heard like that title I don't think I read it and it came out when like when we were kids yeah it was like I read Mm. it probably I was 15 and it was like I've been thinking about YA novels in context of like like female sexuality and Mm -hmm. like how you know we sort of like how we learn to understand the world through these these books that are like you know written by adult women for us but Mm -hmm. um and I was thinking about it in terms of like the 19th century like British literature and just how like different I don't know I think I think books are more open now. I don't remember reading. Like, I guess I read like, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. But it kind of. Oh, yeah. It didn't talk about like desire in mm. any way. It was like, you might get a period. And I was like, well, long gone. Like, I got, you know, I got that years ago. What do I do now? <laughs> like, um, I think I was always afraid of my parents being aware that what I was reading was turning me on. So all of the things that I did read were definitely not like marketed as like a like YA romance novel like so the Dear America series totally hidden it was like this is history that's why I love it um 
There was Ella Enchanted. Oh yeah, of course I read Ella Enchanted. That book I still read at least twice a year. It's an incredible book. It's amazing. And the movie is horrible. Like they totally fucked it up. It was like the whole book was like, she was super cool. The romance was very important, but there was this like really beautiful, like, backdrop of loss and yeah. I mean it was just a real like she's like she really it was it was a, one of those books where it's like somebody is in a world and they're taken out of it and they're sort of dealing with like loss and mm-hmm. like pain and I loved that yeah and that the, not in the movie at all I do I always love books that like the love was secondary because yes. to me that meant that like oh be your own person first and like an Ellen Chanda that's like a really good example of that like she you know she not to spoil it even though it came out like in 1990 or some shit um it's a modern they always call it the modern day Cinderella story yeah. um and it was just good it was just like this dude came second but he loved her immediately and she was like she literally says like oh I didn't love him right away and I was like, yes, I love this. And it was like the first like texting situation because it yeah. was like letter versus letter. And like I lose my shit for like intense texting like relationships. Um, and then I had another one that I used to read that really got me. And I was going to say it and then I forgot. A few babysitter clubs would get me through like the thick ones, like the summer vacation ones. I never read those actually. They were all right. They were fine. But like they would start to deal because they were like older. They would start to deal with romance and like heartbreak. Valley Girls. I read. What is it? No. Sweet Valley High. Sweet Valley High. Yeah. There it is. I read those a few. I recently read um, To All the Boys I Loved Before. Oh, yeah. That? I saw the movie. I mean, I didn't read the book, but the the movie is incredible. I know. I know. People are like so bipolar. Not, not bipolar. Like it's very polarizing. People either like loved it or hated it. Um, and it's kind of a similar thing. It's like the love is secondary in a lot of ways. And so then I read the whole trilogy and I was like, this is like the shittiest, but also like the best. But I didn't read books like that growing up. I think what I've noticed, though, is I've gotten older and I realized this when I watched to all the boys I've loved before is that the will they won't they stuff like doesn't do it for me anymore because I'm like, if there's a will they won't they they won't like in real life, will they won't they sucks. Mm-hmm. So it was so fun when you're young and you're like, oh, my God, like does this boy who like looked at me once in class like me and like now I'm like, no, he's never going to text me back. Right. So, um, there was yeah. a meme that went around like last year that was like. I wish I knew this. If they like you, you'll know. If you're confused, they don't. Or something like yeah. that. Like, they they don't like you. And I was like, if I had just fucking had that the whole fucking time, like, my life would be way different. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, these will they, won't they books really screw you up because, like, yeah. you know, you know really quickly if somebody likes you or, you know, and then. And that's it. And then the rest of the time you're like, does he like me? And your friends are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you date in high school? No, not even like a little <laughs> bit. I couldn't even like, I mean, I don't know what I, I could like, I think I kissed, I kissed like two boys when I was young. One of them is gay now, which makes sense. I mean, he was gay then too, but, uh, but now, now he, he's fully aware of it. But um, yeah, no, nobody like talked to me. I was like a, I was a huge nerd. Um, Same, don't worry. And had like zero confidence. Like I was just, I was super awkward and like just really liked The Sims and watching Scrubs <laughs> and writing Pirates of the Caribbean fan fiction and 
what else did I do? Like I d- I lived in like my imagination. I really did not. I maybe if I had I come out of it a little bit, I would have like met real boys, but they were very scary. And it was just safe in yeah. the imaginary world. And I was very this I was very similar. I was very weird and awkward, but I had this weird confidence. I'd always be like, one day they'll they'll know. Like I always had that. And then my dream actually came true cuz my crushes were like obsessions and I yeah, was same. like obsessed with one boy. Obviously never worked out until after college and it became like a thing. And I was like, see, I knew I knew they'd figure it out. And it was just like such a gross, like complex I had of just like, I am amazing, but also being like the weirdest kid ever. Like I had like a mullet, like someone like butchered my hair. I had fangs as if I were in um, Twilight. Yeah. Those didn't get fixed until college. It was just like, it was a weird mix. Like I was a weird person to be in a class with is all I'll say I just like I looked really different from everybody else because I'm I'm like just under five feet and you know my hair is very curly and I would gel each individual strand of hair so that it would like hang straight so that I thought that this would like give it the appearance of straightness and it really (laughs) didn't work um it just looked like I was wet all the time um yeah and I like didn't know how to dress like this was not a good time for fashion also this is like the early aughts so I layered all my clothes which like is not like it just looks weird and like Mm -hmm. I think I wore a sports bra every day um, and I was kind of, you know, I was a little, uh, a little unhinged. It was very intense. <laughs> it's not changed at all. Um, well, we also were in the age of, because you talk about this, we were in the age of um, sunning and that like fake bake shit. Oh my god! And it totally fucked me up. But the sunning like fucked you up in yeah. college. Oh my god, that was so. I, I mean, <laughs> it was yeah. My, I was just talking about this with somebody. Uh, Probably because it's in the book and I guess I was talking about it for the book. I, my brain is <laughs> off today. Um, yeah. So I actually like I had had a lot of friends who used sun in in high school and in middle school. And I thought they looked so cool. And I really wanted to like I have blonde hair, but like I really wanted it to be blonder. But like that like platinum. Everyone was doing like platinum. Yeah. Blonde. But I like I couldn't afford to get, you know, like to dye it like professionally. And, you know, my mom was like, do not like put this shit in your hair which I didn't listen to because when um, my hair turned really blonde one summer I was uh, working at a day camp and like I was just out in the sun Mm -hmm. all day and it, it turned really blonde and I was so excited about it and also like this guy that I had really liked my freshman year of college had like kind of dropped me right before finals. Mm. And so I was really excited to go back to school, you know, that like summer break and you're like, oh, I'm going back to school with this like really great new hair. And I'm like, not tan, but like a slightly le- darker shade of white than I right, am. It's like currently. a slighter yeah. pink. Yeah. Like it's like I look a little bit baked and like, <laughs> um, and you know, I like bought all these like cool clothes at Urban Outfitters 2008. Um, so I showed up on campus and I was like, I thought I was really cool for a while. And like somebody was like, you look like you like art. And I was like, I've made it. <laughs> this is my moment. I'm finally like hot and cool. Like I've always wanted to be. And then, you know, my hair just went back to being a normal color. And I like there's some other guy thing hadn't worked out. And I was like, oh, no, I need to like make my hair blonde again to return to this like <laughs> hot, cool <laughs> chick who likes art that I was for 15 minutes in September so yeah, I put 
I put the sun in in my hair after I had put in like, you know, gel because again, just do not know how to, did not know how to deal with my hair. But uh, in your defense, gel was like a very big look and style in the early 2000s. Yes. I still use a little bit of gel because I need it to like hold. But I clearly I mean, my hair is much larger than it used to be. I cannot. I, I just love how you're like, oh, I still use it a little yeah. bit. Like, it's OK. And <laughs> I use bad gel. I use L.A. looks like it's so bad that you have to order it online to get it because they oh, stop making shit. it. It's like it's like, you know, I think it's poison, but I'm still alive <laughs> um, for now. So, yeah. So I like put. My friend had very blonde hair and she put sun in it and she like sprayed some in my hair and we spent the whole day outside. Mm -hmm. And like what she hadn't realized and I hadn't realized is that I was spraying it in over this like gel, which like probably wasn't good for it. Oh, no. And generally sun in is terrible for your hair. Mm -hmm. And also I have curly hair and it's like it's really delicate. It is not meant to be burned by hydrogen peroxide. And like Mm -hmm. you're also supposed to like put it in for 15 minutes and wash it out. I mean, I don't think that you were supposed to do whatever I did with it. (laughs) And when I washed it out of my hair, it was like it was like having it had just dried out my hair so much. And so here I was being like, well, you know, I wanted to like recapture being like pretty you know and mm-hmm. here i had like destroyed my hair uh after like finally finally reaching like a like a like a battle detente with it is like we'd finally stopped fighting and we looked good and then yeah no it was destroyed and this was like on top of a lot of other stuff like i just had like a full-on a full-on breakdown uh because like i you know i don't know there's something about being 19 and being like oh like you can make a mistake and like it can ruin your life yeah. And just like, I don't know, everyone's going to die. And like, it was just a real, I was having a real existential moment. And it didn't help that I had like just like zapped my hair. And uh, I do not recommend it as a product. <laughs> uh, yeah, it didn't, you know, not for me um, or for most people, honestly. I don't, if you're like a teen, just, 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 just wait until you can get manic panic and then like wait until you're an adult and can pay for highlights. Yeah. Watch, if you're 19, Watch Big Mouth real quick and just be like, oh, everyone's going through this. I feel like at 19, there's a little bit of body dysmorphia because there's a a high chance that you're now at a college setting where you're just surrounded by what feels like hot people. Yeah. And I I don't know. Like 19 is a very weird age. You're right. Because it's like you're... You've had a year as an adult. You're away from your family. A lot of times you're not even like in the same state or area where you're born or where you're from. And so you feel this like heightened sense of just like maturity. Like I'm a, I'm a person right now. I can just like live life. And then one random thing gets in the way, either a heartbreak or you fuck up your hair because a hair fuck up is intense. It's so bad. Because a ha- hair is a big part of a person's identity. Like yeah. any gender, I think we can a hundred percent agree that you feel very attached to whatever you look like specifically with your hair. And so to have that taken away and all of a sudden like mommy and daddy aren't here and you're not supposed to be asking mommy and daddy anyways because you're an adult that's when like a crisis like that comes in or like a depression or just like a whole like what am I doing like how am I ever gonna make it to like 30 I remember being like I'm not making it you know I said that last year and here I am I know now you're 30 you made it welcome yeah great by the way I'm I like there was like a big like relief that like lifted I mean I I was just so relieved to turn 30 I was really stressed about it uh but it's great um yeah no I think that I especially like 
I, being like an awkward high schooler, mm-hmm. when I went back to school that sophomore year, I was like, oh, I'm hot and cool. I have achieved this. And like, <laughs> you know, you feel like you have to work at, for something and then you get it. And then like it's life is always going to be that way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I can't go back. I can't go back to high school. Like I can't go back to like having frizzy hair and like wearing layered clothing. Like, again, all of that was in my control. But um so it was really extra devastating to be like, no, I can't even have, like, I can't be pretty. Like, I can't have this thing. Like, I just, yeah. And then, you know, my hair went back to normal. So I really, like, and, like, things change all the time. So it's not like, you can't destroy, you know, your life isn't destroyed because you, like, dye your hair poorly. <laughs> but it's not great for a little while, especially, like, this was the age, I know Instagram is, like, a huge thing. I mean, I'm not a teen, so I don't really understand, like, but... The Facebook album situation, like what you looked like was just like you would go out one night and there would be 50 pictures, you know, like photos were so important. And Mm -hmm. like it was just your life was going to be like that always. So Mm -hmm. so I was really upset. I was going abroad and like I just had fried my hair and it was orange. And I was like, oh, my entire trip to Italy will be like colored by my terrible (laughs) hair. Uh, and it was not, I don't remember it at all. And also all of the water in Italy is like filled with rust. So my hair turned even darker anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, it's real. <laughs> um, so I don't look good in any of those photos. It doesn't matter cause they're all gone and nothing matters. <laughs> um, and that's what I really learned from the sun incident. Like nothing, nothing matters. And now, matters. now my hair is turning gray. So, you know, here we are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wish if I was told that you would get gray hairs, wrinkles and zits all at the same time, I'd be like, shoot me now. Like, I thought I got like a year or two with like great skin and like great hair. No adult acne. Like this guy just popped up yesterday and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I am 31 years old. Um, I mean, now I'm okay with it, but it was just like, you got to be kidding me. I actually, so I was on, I went on Accutane when I was in my mid twenties. And so I, cause I didn't have, I like, I actually had really great skin as a kid. Like mm-hmm. I was very lucky. And then I turned 21 and that was it. my face went like batshit. Like I just, I, it went, it was so bad that I had like a horrible, horrible pain. And I thought it was a tooth. Like I thought I like needed a root canal. Oh shit. And I like went to the dentist and the dentist looked at my face and was like, <laughs> no, you just have a really bad pimple. And I was like, I was so embarrassed. Um, and now I wouldn't be, now I would never find out that it was the pimple because I have no dental insurance. So if my tooth hurt, I would just be like, all right, I'm just going to like drink a lot for like the next 10 years until it falls out. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I went on Accutane and it like completely cleared my face. And then I got an IUD, which screws up your skin. So I, I like, have. so you should get spironolactone. It's great. Like I don't. I, That's a birth control. No, it's actually. So it's uh, an off brand. I am not a doctor. <laughs> um, your whole face changed. You're like I am not a to doctor. To be clear, please do not. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. Um, so it is a, and it's actually a blood pressure medication, but an off-brand, an off-label use for it is as like, it's a, a testosterone blocker. So oh, if the IUD like okay. pumps more, basically like pumps more testosterone mm-hmm. into your system, which is why your skin breaks out, the Spiro balances out. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because where I get them, it's right in this area, which is hormonal. Yeah. 
It's from the it's from the IUD. Interesting. Oh, fucking IUDs. I love it so hard. I know. But I hate it so much at the same time. It's like the best thing ever. And also it's like very strange. It has it like it it pipes up more, I think, than like other birth control, but like less yeah. also. You yeah. Know? I get so mad. I just I get I I gazed off for a second because I was just thinking about how mad I get at men um, just because they don't have to put their bodies through what we put it through because they don't want to wear a fucking condom. Um, like, I get furious. Like, sometimes I'll be staring at Aaron. And I'm like, you've never had to do any of this fucking shit. Like, I'll get so mad. Aaron, I still love you. But I'll get, like, so mad. <laughs> it really is, like, I think I wasn't on birth control for a while. I, like, went off for a while. And I think it was, like, in defi- – like, I was just, like, mm-hmm. if you don't have to deal with this, then I don't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually – in the book, that sex date that I went on, oh, like ho- aside from the fact that like it was just a comedy of errors, like a horrible thing happened where we were like having sex. Please don't listen to this, mom. Uh, and he, <laughs> no, she'll be so glad. Like, yeah, she'll be like, great, you have had sex, great. Uh, and he like um, didn't want to wear a condom, whatever. I mean, like I was, we were very drunk as I wrote in this essay. And so I was like, fine, but like, I'm not on birth control. So you have to pull out. And he looks at me and he's like, you're not on birth control. Are you pro-choice? And he's like on top of me. And I'm like, yes. And also like, are you fucking kidding me? Like it was just, I was like, I'm fine. I know exactly what time of, you know, the year, like the month it is for me. Like I'm, you know, whatever, we're fine. I've done this before. Um, And he was just like horrified as if it like hadn't occurred to him that like a woman might not be on birth control. Like they're just, yeah. (sighs) I hate it. Sorry, I I talked through you, but yeah, because it fucking sucks. We don't want to always be on it. So it's even worse. So the next day I threw him out of my apartment, like, you know, to live my life and forget about it. And um, it was actually the day that Gothamist like reemerged, like that they announced that it was coming back to WNYC. And so I like I just had a lot going on that day and I get a text and it was like, hey, like, hope you, you know, hope you you're good or like work is going well. Like just wanted to offer to play, pay for plan B, like just in case it was something that you wanted to think about. And the thing is, it's nice to offer, but there was like I didn't need it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't need it. And mm-hmm. it was almost like offensive to me that I was like, you don't trust that I know like my own body. Yeah. Like It was just there was something about it. And it wasn't like. It wasn't like if you wanted it, it kind of was like, I want you to take it. You know, it was like that kind wow. of thing. And I just like I, I that was that was the end of that. I was like, we're not you know, it was nice of you to pay for it. And I did. I did ask him to pay me for it. But like, but did you buy it? Yeah, I did. Oh, I, I mean, like, I then I, pocketed it. Well, also, like then it was like in my head, you know, then I was like, well, what if I'm wrong? You know, like you yeah. get all you get all in your head about it. But it was so like. I'm sure that it was meant to be nice, but there's something about being told what to do that really pissed me off Mm -hmm. that I was like, I know myself really well. Like I've had sex before without a (laughs) condom. Like it'll be fine. Uh, You know? uh, Yeah. So it was a good time. Well, it's the whole thing of like a dude telling you that they know better. And it's like, dude, it's my fucking body. Like you don't understand what, I've already been through. And if you're not on the pill, then like there's a good chance that your cycle is normal. Yeah. So you no. can track it. And it's a literally that is like a literal birth control of like tracking your cycle. And also, I am also not a doctor. 
pull-out method is actually very effective when done correctly. Yes. And the man pees between each sex session. It's so true. You can look it up on Planned Parenthood. It's actually very, very effective. As long as the man pulls out and pees. It's as effective as condoms, which is not to say that condoms are very effective when condoms are used. It's, I think it's like an 84% like failure rate, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, or success rate. So yeah, get not a doctor or someone who can do math. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't like recommend it. It's not like the best thing to do all mm-hmm. the time. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I knew exactly like where I was. It was like, I'm nowhere near ovulating. I will be totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, you know, 28. So it's not like I had, didn't. I think one of the problems with the pullout method is that teens do it and teens don't know anything. And like there's like, yes, their cycles are all over the place. And like the boys do not know how to control themselves. And like, and it's they, not, it yeah. doesn't work. But, but birth control is great. Highly recommend it. My mm-hmm, life has mm-hmm. much improved. Uh, even, you know, when like the IUD is like, today we're going to cramp. Like, you're like oh okay cool haven't had this in a year yeah they're like i we're just gonna do it it's for fun you know <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> it's not even just like normal cramps it's like the most debilitating cramps i've ever had in my life it's like it just punches you and you're yeah. like this is just a random time nothing is happening <laughs> aaron says just- he can feel it sometimes when we have sex and i'm like good I want you to feel it. It's just a soft string. It's not like a, you know. It'll be fine. Yeah. He says it feels like a poke. And I'm like, I've had more things poked inside me. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. You you have had more things poked inside you. Um, Probably. I mean. I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. You can say. Yeah. Why not? Um, Yes. So ID is great. Jamaica in great. Uh, what else should we talk about um were there any sex stories that didn't make it didn't make the cut i mean there are so many sex stories that like book two yeah i mean i don't like it's kind of weird that i wrote this much about sex because i'm like not an expert by any means Mm -hmm. uh which i'm sure lots of people can tell you um and i like don't really like to talk about sex that much actually which is actually what surprised me while i was reading it was like oh this is a lot about her sex life yeah i've never heard it yeah i've never i never talk about it here i am on a podcast (laughs) um yeah i don't talk about it at all actually and so well okay i have i have a great story that i was thinking of on my way over here um about I mentioned picking up an ex-Marine at a Ra Ra Riot concert. Mm-hmm. But the story behind that is that like we were at a Ra Ra Riot concert. It was 2011, which is why we were at a Ra Ra Riot concert. <laughs> uh, it was like with my college friends. It was in college. We were in Baltimore. And some guy was like there alone by himself. And like my friends kept, he was cute. And like my friends kept like pushing me into him. Mm-hmm. I think on purpose. Oh, 100%. And I don't know. I mean, I was like drinking rum and Coke in the bathroom because, again, we were in college. And it was and, 2011. And That's... we were at a Rara Riot concert, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that was my drink of choice, too, actually. Malibu, though, because it tasted like summer. It's true. I, I threw up Malibu somewhere and I'll never drink it again. <laughs> but um, fair. Yeah. So I went home with this guy, which was like kind of de- like... This was like the first time that I like brought somebody from outside of like our my, like little safe college bubble mm-hmm. home, which was a little bit like it, it was a little bit scary for me, actually. But anyway, it was fine. And we're like fooling around and he takes off his shirt and on his chest are three very like photorealistic male heads. And I'm like looking like just like, you know, like a portrait, like three portraits just on his chest. Oh, my God. Maybe it was two. I think it was three. Uh, And I'm like looking at them because they're looking at me. (laughs) 
And we like start having sex and he's like, again, like these faces are looking at me and he's like, oh, uh, are these freaking you out? And I'm like, yes, I'm assuming somebody else had been freaked out by them, too, because I was like looking like, oh, hi. And he's like, all right, this is my grandfather and my father and like I think some other family member. And I was like, oh, so we're all here together. Oh. Like, it would have been worse if he was like, this is my grandfather, my father, and this is Jerry. I met him three weeks ago. I mean, you know, it's possible that that's who the third head was. I actually, maybe there, I don't remember, but like the father and the grandfather, I was like, oh, the lineage. Yeah, you were fucking the, not, I always said patriarchy, but you're, no, you're just fucking the family. I didn't want to. Oh. <laughs> Was this the dude that you bit? No, no, that was different. That was actually a really scary story. Um, that was a guy I brought home from Union Pool. Uh, like, so this was actually also in 2011. And mm-hmm. I had just moved back to New York. And uh, I was living in Williamsburg with a friend. And we decided, we were, like, upset over, like, some dudes from college, honestly. And, like... Mm-hmm. We were like, all right, well, we're like young, independent women. So we're going to go to this hookup bar and like pick up men and like have sex with them. This was just something like I, ne- you know, I guess I'd accidentally done this with this ex-Marine. But um, I mean, I was like not very experienced at this time. And this was not something that I like did. But we go to this bar and these guys are like talking to us and I was really actually like not into it. I was like kind of, I was pretty scared actually. And I was like, I don't really not, I don't want to do it. Uh, But then my friend kind of like talked me into it and we like bring them home. And I'm just like alone with this stranger that I have picked up at a bar. And I'm like, I don't want to have sex with them. I don't want to do it. I'm just like, I'm not into this. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really hard to get him out. Like he kind of, he did not want to leave. Um, and it, and it, like, you know, I was like, I didn't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if I was like, no, like, I think I was just, I'm not sure how I was reacting. I was, it's like kind of a blur, but I think I was like pretty scared. And so I bit him and then he left. He was like, there's something wrong with you. And I'm like, okay. And he left his tank top in my room. And I was like so upset by the existence of this tank top that I picked it up with like a Swiffer uh-huh. and like walked it out of our apartment <laughs> building and like threw it in the trash and was like, that's not, you know, Done. I don't think I had sex with him. I think I was like, I think I made him leave. Like, I was OK, pretty, yeah, I wasn't sure. And only because like I went into my own memories of like um sometimes I do bite while during yeah, sex. Yeah, sure. Because like it's fun. And I bit a guy and like not hard. And he was like never do that again so in my mind I was like oh she was like biting him to be to make it seem like she was being sexy but bit really hard to make him be like oh no but that was just like my own assumption yeah I know I unsexy bit him I like (laughs) I like bit hard and it wasn't like it wasn't like I wasn't being like forced into anything I just didn't know how to be like I want you to leave like I wasn't really vocalizing Mm -hmm. that I was just sort of like not really into it um and for some reason, I thought that would be what got him out. And it did. So, yay. Trust your gut. Trust yeah. your instincts. Yeah. But then I I was like pretty. That was After that, I was like, I'm going to stop bringing home strange. Not that I was doing it a lot to begin with. But I was like, I think that might be the end of my like bringing strangers home from, from bars excursion. Because it's just like. Yeah. It wasn't fun. Like it was. It didn't make me feel empowered. I was more like, oh, no. <laughs> now you're here. I have only had one one night stand. And the guy was crazy, and we went to his place. Um, it's one of my favorite awkward sex stories, but I won't talk about it now. But I'm trying to think, like, anyone else I've had sex with, even if it was just once, we had, like, 
yeah. dated for a hot second. Like we were like on a date. We hadn't met randomly at a bar. I wasn't like plastered. It's always made me feel uncomfortable because I'm in my mind, I'm like, who am I bringing home? Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it's weird that you're like, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. There's only one other like actual like one night stand that I've had. I guess there was the, the two in 2011. And then <laughs> this actually, this is pretty bad. Um, This guy that I as a friend, my, my friend had just started dating uh, this guy who is now her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was the first time I was meeting him and he had like a friend who was visiting from out of town or, and was staying with him or something like that. And we ended up like going home together, me and this friend. And this is the first time that I've met my friend's boyfriend. And I was really, really tired. And we were like going home, like we were going all the way to Bushwick and we like kind of had, you know, when you're like really tired, it just doesn't. It's just not fun. Like it doesn't, yeah. you know, your body like dries right up and you're like, okay. Like, you're like kind of watching the clock. You're like, well, maybe in like yeah. four minutes this ends. You're like, and I'm ready. I was really done. And he could tell that I was like not into it because I was just, I wasn't even like, sometimes I'll pretend, but like I wasn't even pretending. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, and then I just did not want him to stay over. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, the subway is that way. And he had to go back to the Upper West Side from Bushwick at like four in the morning because I was like, you know, I just didn't I didn't want him to stay over and I didn't feel like being nice. No. So, that, and yeah. like, dude, I feel like also like dudes like sometimes don't pick up on the signals at the right time because we have like a very similar life. The first time I went to go like upstate to Connecticut to babysit these kids that I'm with right now. I had gone to like a friend's party that ended up being like way longer than we thought, which was all in my neighborhood. And their good friend from Williamsburg had like come up to like hang out and it ended up going the whole night. And he ends up walking me and like we're flirting the whole time, like flirting for sure. But we're walking home and it's like two or three o'clock in the morning. And we're walking to my apartment on First Avenue, which is a lot of avenues away from the train. And once I got there, I was just like, okay, bye. Because I kept being like, I kept being like, the train's that way. The train's this way. You can go that way. The train's this way. And then he was like, no, I'm going to walk you to your door. And I was like, cool. Bye. And then he was like, oh. He's like, I have to go all the way back. And I was like, yeah. Because I have to get up in like six hours to go fucking babysit kids. Like, no, I'm not. I don't want to deal with this. Um, We would later have sex. And the dog would be on the bed. And I'd be like, can you? Move the dog and he'd be like, <laughs> poor no. dog. He was like, I can't, this might have to be edited because it gives it away. He was like, the dog's blind, so he can't see anything. And I was just like, I don't want him on the fucking bed. I don't want him on the bed. I, don't know. I always feel weird. Like, even if I'm not saying a name, if I'm giving away too many details, am I still like liable for shit? No, actually you're not. No, okay. because I, <laughs> no, fuck I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the legal definition later. Cause I did, I did have to think about this a lot, uh-huh. but no, it, it's not, first of all, it's not defamation if it's true. Okay. Okay. And also, uh, you don't want to sue somebody uh, if you're not named, because then your name is public. Like your information is all public if you do oh. that. Yes, just you know, FYI to everyone. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, but it's also like it's nice to not give away too many details because, mm-hmm. like, I, my feeling on the subject is like, I mean, I'm I've done so much bad shit that somebody could like. I'm like actually a terrible person to date. <laughs> 
I am like a complete monster. Uh, I like am very bad at communicating. So if I don't like something, I'll just kind of like ignore it and then like block somebody on my phone so I like never have to talk to them again um I have that's not the first person I've thrown out of my apartment being like you're not staying get out Mm -hmm. leave and I will leave all the time um yeah so date me I'm great but like I'm sure that somebody will write a book about me and be like this fucking piece of shit like (laughs) everything she did was awful she's a psychopath like please never like look at her again so you know i wanted to be nice about everybody else because like because i know know, it's coming for me it's definitely coming and i deserve it so it's fine i once like showed up late to a date with somebody because i was making out with somebody else that i had drive me to the date so i was an hour and a half late for a second date oh my god it was like a really nice guy too and i was just like the person i was making out with was a huge asshole and i loved him and so you know and then i showed up for the date and i was like oh sorry i had to work I didn't. Oh my god! I mean, I did, but like in a different. Well, did he know. ever find out? Yeah, I've told him. We're yeah. Okay, okay. He, he knows now, but but you guys are still friends. Yeah, we are actually. Oh so I'm a great friend. I'm a horrible person to date. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just takes a hot second. It's more like because I sucked at dating too, or like being someone to date. I'm trying to think of like my dates before him. Oh, there was one where I do like went in for a kiss and I was like, what is happening? I've done that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like, well, no, this is not. You thought this was good? No. Um, and it was like a friend's coworker and they would like ask about me. And I was like, please don't tell him anything. Like, I'm not. I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I don't miss that. It's kind of tough. I mean, I wrote about that this in that uh, the bad sex essay. But like, I, I always felt like if I wasn't like if somebody went in for a kiss, I had to kiss them because mm-hmm. like, what if, you know, what if that I didn't want them to not like me because like, what if that was all I could get? You know, like it was really, it's really tough to say no. Um, when it's coming like right at you. Yeah. yeah. Now it's easier, obviously. Like as an, like I went on a date the other day um, and I was just like, it was a guy that I actually kind of knew from the internet, but like whatever we like matched online. And I went to meet him and I show up at the bar and I just like you know I just like looked at him and was like I don't think this is gonna work it wasn't even like about like a fist it just there was nothing that was it was not there and Mm -hmm. we like had a drink and I was like no like we're just we're not gonna date and I had one beer and I was like thanks for the beer and then I left Mm -hmm. I did say thanks for the beer I was like you will pay for this beer but I but then I left and I was like that was nice. I'll see you around. And uh-huh. then that was it. Like, I just never contacted him. And it was fine. Like, yeah. you know, I'm sure he was like, not, nah. you know, like, I don't think it was like, a, it just wasn't going to work. And it, it, probably five years ago, I would have gone on like three more dates with him and like maybe slept with him and then like deeply regretted it and like blocked him on my phone. And I didn't do any of that. So Yay. look at you. Growth. Growth is so beautiful. Isn't Rebecca so great? Like, she's so fun and honest and cool. And that's why you're going to go buy Good Things Happen to People You Hate by Rebecca Fishbein. See you in (laughs) a fucking week. Bye.